We're in a study of the Gospel of Mark. If you're not familiar with what Mark is or the Gospel of Mark, if you're not familiar with the Bible, there's the Old Testament and the New Testament. When you get to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the first four. They're called the Gospels. They tell good news. We've been talking about that. We spent about five lessons so far in the Gospel of Mark. That word gospel is not necessarily a Bible word. As a matter of fact, they found an inscription that reads... The beginning of the gospel of Caesar Augustus. Now, when the Roman Empire would conquer more territory, they would send out the gospel. They would send out the good news. They would send out an announcement saying, hey, we've gained some more territory. We've gained some more land. This was life-changing news when the Roman Empire would send out the gospel. Because that means if you were a Roman citizen, you could travel to other countries and and not worry about um, harm. It meant so much good news. And then this guy named Mark comes along and says, Hey, I got some good news. It's not about the Roman Empire. And he's writing this during the time of the Roman Empire. He says the beginning of the good news, the beginning of the gospel, not just good news, the good news about Jesus Christ. Not just the good news about Jesus Christ, the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So he comes along and says, Hey, I've got some good news And I want to share it with you. So we're looking at the good news in the Gospel of Mark. I've shared this quote with you. I like what Dr. Paul Rees writes. The Gospel is neither a discussion nor a debate. It's an announcement. The Gospel's not up for discussion. The Gospel was never meant to be debated. The Gospel was always meant to be shared. It is good news. It is an announcement. So the question is, as we go through Mark, the question I'll ask you today is, Do you need some good news? I mean, Jim mentioned in his prayer what's going on in California. It goes on all over the world. The shootings, the the bad news we hear about in our world all the time. All you have to do is get the paper every day and it's filled with bad news. You need some good news today? I mean, you know what good news is. I mean, if you're a couple that's trying to get pregnant and the doctor says, Hey, I've got some good news. You know what that good news is. If the stock market goes up and your retirement's doing better, you know that's good news because your, your level of income, your level of, of living is going to be good as you retire. If you get that letter of acceptance, you've applied for a college and they say, hey, we've accepted you to attend this college, you know what good news is. When the officer pulls you over and says, hey, I'm just going to give you a warning, you know what good news is. If you've ever been at a restaurant and it comes time to pay and the waiter or the waitress says, hey, somebody already took care of your tab, you know what good news is. But listen, all of those things, that that is good news. Mark says, I want to give you some good news about Jesus Christ. I want to give you some good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So here's what I want to do today. We're going to travel a lot of territory. We're going to cover the rest of three in chapter four. So we're going to go on a good news journey and we're going to make some good news stops and we're going to travel pretty quickly to cover a lot of territory. Some of y'all can relate. Some of y'all, when you decide to take a vacation, when you get in the car, that vehicle's not stopping until you get to your destination. Some of y'all are married to people like that. No bathroom stops, no food stops, no, no stop, just no stops. You're like, can we not? No, we're not pulling over. Some of y'all get in the car, and I don't know how you ever make it to your destination. 
You buy these drinks that are this big, and you wonder why 45 minutes later you got to take a bathroom stop. Oh, wait, there's an antique shop. Did you see the Chick-fil-A that was dry? We could stop at Chick-fil-A. You make stops all over the place. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to cover a lot of territory today, but we're going to make some good news stops because Mark wants us to know not just good news. He wants, to know, wants us to know why Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is good news for us. So we're going to make some good news stops today. Here's our first stop. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, and he gave them specific um, things to do. So we're at the point where people are hearing about Jesus, people are following Jesus, and Jesus decides he's going to call specific people to do specific things. And so these specific people are called apostles. They're the twelve apostles. And he says, here's why I'm calling you. I I want you to be with me. I'm going to send you out to preach, and I'm going to give you authority to drive out demons. So there's good news in this story here. I'm going to go ahead and tell you the good news up front on this one. The good news is Jesus doesn't pick perfect people to follow him because he has no other choice. Jesus uses imperfect people to do kingdom work. A lot of y'all have used excuses for a long time. I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. He called these guys to be his apostles. Now, let me tell you why this is important here. Judas is listed in this. His name's on this list. You know who Judas is? He's the guy who ends up betraying Jesus. As a matter of fact, every apostle on this list either denies Jesus or deserts Jesus. He calls them anyway. He pours his life into them. And he still does that today. Jesus doesn't wait for us to be good to call us. Otherwise, he'd be waiting forever. So if you're thinking, I'm not good enough, or I've got too much baggage, or I've got too much sin in my past, Jesus pours his life, Jesus poured his life out and died on the cross for imperfect people. The first thing he said is, I want you to spend some time with me. Listen, if you want to get to know Jesus, you need to spend time with him. He's fixing to send them out to preach. So before he sends them out to preach, he wants them to gather around him and follow around him so they get to know him. He wants them to know his heart. He wants them to know his thoughts. He wants them to get used to who he is so that when he sends them out to preach, they'll know what the good news is. So he calls them and says, look, I want you to spend some time with me. I'm going to send you out to preach and I'm going to give you authority to drive out demons. Now... That's good news because Jesus knows they're going to mess up. Jesus knows they don't understand. Some of y'all will never teach class because you say, I just don't know enough. Listen, the best thing you can do is on-the-job training. Jesus called these guys. The good news is, hey, spend some time with me and then I'm going to send you out. Do you think they were ready to go out? No. But sometimes the best training is on-the-job training training. So Jesus would send them out and they'd come back. And he'd teach them a little more. And he'd send them out and they'd come back. And he'd teach them a little bit more. On the job training. I think I've shared this story with you before. When I graduated college, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do so I went home to Weatherford, Oklahoma and I worked for Sawatsky Construction. Probably the biggest construction company in western Oklahoma in the late 70s, early 80s. They built motels, they built schools, they built houses. 
I knew absolutely, positively, zero zilch, nothing, nada about construction. Let me illustrate. I think I've shared this with you before. My immediate boss was my brother David. So it was already bad news. It was going to be bad from the get-go. So the first day, we're out on the job site, and all we had is one pole that had the electricity there. And my brother handed me an electrical cord and said, go plug this into this 220. And I said, what's a 220? Some of y'all are sitting here thinking, I don't know what a 220 is. Thank you. Thank you. So my brother looked at me the way my brother can look at me, and he said, just go out to the pole and you'll figure that out. So I took this cord out there, and if you don't know what a 220 is, take your 220 cord and just go to a pole, and you'll know there's only one way to plug it in. It only fits one way. Here's my point. I learned so much about construction, not being in a classroom, but doing on-the-job training. Jesus knows these people need on-the-job training. The good news that you need to hear today is Jesus doesn't wait for you to be perfect Jesus takes the imperfect, and he says, look, here's what I want you to do. As a matter of fact, you've read this on a church sign before. Maybe you've heard this before. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. God doesn't call the qualified. If he did, he'd call nobody. The good news at this stop here is Jesus takes anybody, and he loves everybody. The good news is Jesus pours his life into these people and Jesus is still pouring his life into people today. So if you're thinking, I'm just not good enough, you fill in the blank for what goes after that. The good news here is, it's not about being good enough. It's about accepting the call and following Jesus. And then you can do some on-the-job training. Listen, where did that come from? Let's just skip that. Somebody come in and put an extra page in my deal? Let, let me, let's go to another stop. Jesus entered in the house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge, for they said, he's out of his mind. Here's the good news. Even family will misunderstand you. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to deny you, disassociate with you, not understand you. Even family doesn't understand. The crowds are getting so big that Jesus isn't even able to eat. He and his disciples, everywhere they go, there's a crowd, there's a crowd, there's a crowd. So much so that they can't even eat. His family hears out, hears about that, and they say, he's crazy. He's not eating right. Now, if you're thinking, why, why would they ask that? I can tell you that when our kids were in college, it seemed like almost every discussion when we were on the phone was, are you eating in the cafeteria? Are you eating right? Are you eating good food? Are you eating? Are you eating? Are you eating? That seemed to be a topic of discussion. Jesus' family just wants to know, hey, are you eating okay? Are you getting three squares a day? Because when you skip a meal, that's kind of foolish. When you skip a meal, you're not thinking clearly. When you skip a meal, you're out of your mind. So even his family doesn't understand. But it's not just his family. The teachers of the law came down from Jerusalem. Remember we talked about the religious police? The religious police haven't quite figured Jesus out. The religious police don't quite understand who Jesus is. So we're going to send an entourage of religious police down because the crowds are following Jesus and we're hearing things about Jesus and he's healing people and he's claiming to forgive sins and he's claiming to have authority over the Sabbath. Hey, how about we send some folks down to check it out? 
So much so that they, they know some stuff. They come down and they say, he's possessed by Beelzebub. We know he has some power. I mean, it's obvious. Look at all the healings. I mean, he cured leprosy. He's doing all kinds of things. He's got to have some power. That power must be from Satan. Now, I didn't put this up there, but there's a passage here that you need some good news about. These religious police, at least they acknowledge Jesus had power. The bad news is they attributed that power to Satan. And Jesus goes on. I don't think I have this up there. He says, how can Satan drive out Satan? You can read this in Mark 3. If a kingdom's divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. Jesus says, okay, fine, if you want to say that I'm from Satan, what sense does that make? Why would Satan battle Satan? What would that accomplish? And then Jesus goes into a passage that's bothered Christians for thousands of years. I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He's guilty of an eternal sin. Have you ever thought, have I done that? Have I committed that sin? Anybody ever thought that? Ever crossed your mind, well, did, did I do the big one? Did I do the one that will condemn me forever? Did I do the eternal sin? Here's some good news. Let me make it real simple. In my opinion, if you're here today, you're good. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you haven't committed that sin. If you believe in the power of God, you haven't committed that sin. These religious police said, you know what? You've got power. It must be from Satan. When you start attributing the power of God to Satan, that's when you're in trouble. When you start denying, to blaspheme somebody means to speak against, to reject. When you start rejecting the power of God, when you can't distinguish between the power of God and Satan, you're probably crossing the line. And by crossing the line, here's what I mean. I don't think Jesus means this is a, a one time and you're out. And here's why. Paul writes in 1 Timothy, Paul who used to be Saul... Saul, who used to persecute Christians, Saul, who used to throw Christians in jail, he said, even though I was once a blasphemer, same word, and a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy. So if you're thinking, hey, did I commit the one eternal blasphemy against the Spirit? As a matter of fact, Jesus said it's not even blasphemy against Jesus. It's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's blasphemy against the power of the Spirit in Jesus' life. If you're going to deny the power of God, that's when you're blaspheming against God. But y'all are here today, so you're safe. just wanted you to know that's some good news that you could use today. If you're thinking, man, I just don't know. Let me tell you, I, I think I know. You're here. You believe in Jesus. You're listening to the sermon. You're listening to the Word of God. You're singing praises to God. You haven't committed that sin. And even if you have, God showed Paul mercy. So that's some good news from this passage. Let's go to another stop. Let's keep moving. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. So Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, and they get a messenger. Hey, can you send word to Jesus that we're outside? Now, how would you like to be this messenger? This messenger goes in and says, Hey, Jesus, your mom 
and your brothers are outside. And Jesus says, who are my mother and my brothers? He looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and mother. And the messenger goes outside and Jesus' mom says, hey, did you get to him? I, I did. What did he say? How would you like to be that messenger? He said he doesn't know who you are because his mother and brothers are on the inside. Wow. Now here's the good news. Here's the good news. Don't, don't over... J, j, let's try to make it simple because I do simple really well. Here's the good news. If you're ever wondering, what's God's will for my life? This passage, I love the way this passage says it. It makes it so simple. When you put Jesus at the center of your life, they were in a circle with Jesus in the center. And Jesus says, whoever does God's will is my brother and my mother. When you put Jesus at the center of your life, when you put Jesus at the center of your marriage, relationships, money, job, everything in your life, you're doing God's will. If you're thinking, well, what's the specific God's will for my life? When you put Jesus at the center of your life, you're doing God's will, and that's good news. Have you ever wrestled with, you know, what's God's will for my life? Is it this job? Is it this person? Is it this location? Is it this... When you put Jesus at the center of your life, then you're doing God's will, and that's good news. Now, he's going to go on in chapter 4, 34 verses of parables. So the next good news stop is Jesus told parables because he wanted the disciples, as they're going out and preaching, often he would say, he would tell them this parable, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like the parable of the growing seed. So the parable, I'm sorry, the parable of the sower. So Jesus says, hey, when you go out and preach, there's going to be different soils. And people are going to receive you different ways. And some people will even reject you, but that's the way the kingdom of heaven is like. And he talks about the parable of the growing seed. And he talks about the parable of the mustard seed. And the kingdom of God starts small sometimes. It starts tiny sometimes. So much so that we may not even know if God's moving. But the kingdom of God starts small and then it has huge results. So the good news is, if you're ever thinking, hey, where's God? Well, maybe God's moving in a tiny way, a gradual way. A slow way. But God's going to have big results in your life. Let's go one more good news stop here. I know we're going fast. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. So you know this story. They're in a boat. And you've got some experienced fishermen in this boat. This isn't this, their first storm. This isn't their first rodeo. But this storm is of a magnitude such that they're afraid. And they panic. And they say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, here's some good news already from this story. If you've ever said, God doesn't care about where is God when, I don't understand why God, then you can relate to these folks in the boat. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He gets up and he rebukes the wind and said to the waves, quiet and be still. And everything goes calm except the disciples. They're not calm. They're terrified. But they were terrified of what was going on outside of the boat, the storm. They thought they were going to drown. They thought they were going to die. And now they're terrified about what's going on on the inside of the boat because they say, who is this guy? 
I mean, they've seen him heal people. They've seen him cure leprosy. They've seen him heal all kinds of diseases. They've heard him claim to have authority over sins. They've heard him claim to have authority over the Sabbath. They've never seen him have authority over wind and waves. They're terrified. So everything goes calm except them. But listen, I want to talk to you about storms of life. Following Jesus does not guarantee a storm-free life. If anybody ever told you that, they lied. Following Jesus does not guarantee you a storm-free life. And just because you're in a storm doesn't mean Jesus doesn't care. And just because you're in a storm doesn't mean Jesus isn't there. Just because you're in a storm doesn't mean Jesus has abandoned you. Again, if you've ever said, I've said, we've all said, where is God when stuff happens like San Bernardino? Where is God when there's shootings in the school? Where is God when somebody in my family gets sick? Where is God when I need some good news? Following Jesus, the good news You're saying this is good news? The good news is Jesus doesn't guarantee a storm-free life. But you know what? It's kind of like that on-the-job training. Sometimes the storms of life are the best way for you to see Jesus. As a matter of fact, the bigger the storm in your life might very well be the best opportunity for you to see Jesus like you've never seen Him before. Jesus allows the storms of life so that you can see him bigger. That's why I put back here, let's go over to the other side. The other side may not be geography. The other side may not be the other side of the river, the other side of the sea. The other side may be the other side of from fear to faith. The other side may be seeing Jesus more clearly. The other side may be the storm where Jesus needs you to see some things in a bigger way. Jesus says, why are you afraid? I'm sitting right here in the boat with you. Why are you afraid? You've seen me cure leprosy. Why are you afraid? You've seen me heal people. Why are you afraid? I told you I have the authority to forgive sins. Why are you afraid? I told you I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? In fact, I would ask you that today. Some of y'all have been thinking about following Jesus or taking another step of faith in following Jesus. But you're afraid. Why are you afraid? You're afraid of what some people might think. Afraid of what your friends might think. Afraid of what your family might think. Afraid of what people at school might think. Afraid of what your co-workers might think. Afraid of what Jesus may ask you to do. Why are you afraid? I mean, even at this part of Jesus' ministry, they've seen so many things. They've seen things that we've never seen. You'd think they'd have all the faith in the world. Jesus, don't you care? Jesus is like, don't I care? Where have you been? Have you not been watching me? Have you not been listening to me? Sometimes we need storms of life to see God more clearly. Sometimes the storms of life are the best way. Jesus cares enough that He allows us the storms of life... In fact, I like what one preacher says. The disciples have yet to call Jesus Lord in in this gospel, in Mark's gospel. They will eventually. 
They call him teacher at this point. There will be a point where they call him Lord. But they're going to have to go through some storms to see Jesus clearly. We're going to see that in a few more chapters. Seeing Jesus clearly. So the good news today is Jesus cares enough to allow you to go through the storm so you can see him clearly on the other side. I mean, think about it. If you get everything you want, you're called a spoiled brat. Jesus isn't raising spoiled brats. He's raising followers. And we need to see Jesus. And I can tell you from experience, and I know you can tell me from your experiences, there have been events in your life where had you not had that event, you wouldn't have seen Jesus the way you saw Jesus. And you come out on the other side and you're like, oh, I see that now. Had you not gone through the storm, you still wouldn't have seen Jesus. So that's some good news. So that's a lot of good news stops. So let me share some things. Several stops on this good news journey. So maybe something grabbed your attention. Did it grab your attention that you don't have to be perfect to follow Jesus? Did it grab your attention that the good news is Jesus will equip you and qualify you and love you in spite of all your messes and even when you don't understand? Is the good news that you need to hear is that Jesus treats people the same way, knowing that they're going to deny Him and desert Him, He still loves them? Do you need some good news that people are going to misunderstand you and not associate with you and say things bad about you? Jesus has been there, done that bought the shirt, he understands what you're going through. Maybe the good news that you need to hear is that Jesus needs to be at the center of your life. And maybe you know that. Maybe you know Jesus isn't at the center of your relationship, marriage, finances, job. And you needed to hear the good news that if you want to be in God's will and God's family, you need to put Jesus at the center. Maybe the good news you need to hear today is that Jesus is right there with you in the boat in the midst of the storm. If you're wondering where Jesus is, He never left. He's just wanting you to see Him clearly. The good news today is that you can receive Jesus. The good news today is that you can accept Jesus. The good news today is no matter where you are on your journey of faith, The step of faith needs to keep increasing, not so that you do more, but as you see Jesus more clearly every day, your faith grows. And so the good news about Jesus Christ is you can accept Him. Some of y'all have been Christians, Christ followers a long time. But your faith has wavered. And Jesus isn't real focused. And you're not sure if you can see Him real clearly. The good news today is You're alive and still breathing, and you can still accept Jesus and say, you know what, Lord, would you clear up my vision? I'm having a little trouble seeing you. Some of y'all have never accepted Jesus. You've never repented. You've never confessed. You've never been baptized. And it annoys you that I even say that. But that's what Scripture says, and Scripture says that's good news. It's good news to follow Jesus Christ. It's good news to accept Him. It's good news to be baptized and have His blood wash your sins away. It's good news to stand right with God. It's good news to know that you haven't committed an eternal sin and you can spend eternity with God and Jesus. That's good news. I don't know what good news you need today, but the good news is found in Jesus Christ. And you need to follow Him. You need to follow Him. And it'll change your life. It won't be a storm-free life, but it'll change your life. Do you need to follow Jesus today? 
Why are you afraid? Put that fear aside. Take that step out in the aisle. Come forward and say, you know what? I want today to be the day that I'm going to be baptized for the remission of my sins. If you want to meet our shepherds in the back and tell them, go to a private room. You know what? Today's the day that I want to recommit my life to Jesus. If you need to respond in any way, please do so as we stand and sing.